check. How am I doing? How are my levels? Wait, she sounds louder than me. I'm supposed to be the loud one. Is that all right? We're Don't the worry, same. You're the loud one. Guys, Bon Appetit Foodcast, and I'm Adam Rappaport. This week, we have on America's favorite cookbook author and former BA staffer, Allison Roman. Her new book, Nothing Fancy, just came out yesterday. Uh, it's as beautiful and cool as her first, and it's filled with recipes developed around the idea of having people over. That's right, not entertaining, just having people over, because hosting friends does not have to be some whole fussy to-do. But before we get started, I wanted to let you guys know that for a limited time, you can subscribe to Bon Appetit, and you will get our November Thanksgiving issue in time for the holidays guaranteed you'll sign up for one year for only ten dollars and we'll be sure to get you that coveted thanksgiving issue go to bonappetit.com slash get the mag that is bonappetit.com slash get the mag and i will say this it really helps us do what we do all the recipes all the stories that we talk about on this podcast start with the magazine so if you guys subscribe we'll be able to keep doing the podcast the videos everything else and it's only ten dollars for one year subscription oh and you get a free tote bag when you sign up at bonappetit.com slash get the mag thank you so much and now here is allison roman allison roman welcome back to the podcast ah thank you for having me I've seen on like the Instagram once or twice oh. that you have a cookbook coming out or something. I do. Oh, that's so funny because I talk about it a lot. I get <laughs> it. Do. Okay. No, that's very funny. Has the tour started yet? Next week. So this will come out next week. When so it the starts this week. Yeah, it's starting <laughs> it starts now. It starts on the 25th. Wait, oh my God, you're already on tour. I'm on tour. I'm literally not even in this room. All right. So you got tour dates and everything. You got like almost like a tour poster, which is mm -hmm. super rad. Yeah. Did you make the t-shirts? I didn't make t-shirts. I, I have so much to do and like... Anything frivolous or cool, uh, unfortunately, has to go to the bottom of my to-do list because everything you, else is so pressing. Are you, you're calling concert tour t-shirts frivolous? No, I mean, they're cool, but A, I'm paying for them. B, I have to get yeah. the... It's, it's, it's not just as simple as me being like, you know, it'd be cool if I just had some t-shirts and like call <laughs> someone up and they make them for me. It's a thousand emails and I feel a lot like, of I, stuff. I feel like we could take this pod in two directions. One, about... Allison Inc., which I'm personally fascinated by, but I think we kind of did that on one of our previous podcasts. What's when Allison we, Inc.? Like, you're incorporated, everything you're doing. Like, the oh, Allison oh, Roman oh, oh. machine. And we talked about that when, we, I think, when we, were, when we did the pod uh, at the Sonos headquarters. Well, that was two years ago, Adam. A lot I has know, changed. I know. A lot has changed. But I do think what's uh, sort of fascinating about you, that you're still kind of a one-woman machine, that you crank out a insane amount of content. You set up this tour and you've got the cool tour posters and yes you collaborate with a lot of people mm -hmm. but it's mostly you just keeping it moving day after day yes. correct yeah i work with a lot of great people that all are involved in different parts but ultimately yeah i'm i'm doing the things or at least trying to delegate i could probably do a better job of delegating <laughs> well we all could but yes yes it's me in a lot of ways i do think that that is what has sort of given you your lane in this world of modern cookbooks and chefs and this and that because everyone's got a cookbook. Yeah. How do you separate yourself? And you've managed to do so really well. Thank you. That I I mean I struggle with that. I think that figuring out how to have a clear perspective and differentiate yourself from everybody else that seems to all be doing the same thing is really challenging. I struggle with it still. 
Yeah, but like, for instance, I think the tour date thing is interesting. The poster, every, everyone goes on a book tour. Yours feels like a thing, mm. you know? Yeah. And I think that's not easy to do. And I don't know. I'm, I'm impressed. Thank I, you. You know, I, I'm getting a little tired of the reposting everyone's recipes. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay. Where do you stand on that? Well, are you tired of it because everyone else is doing it? Or are you specifically tired of me doing it? The person who did I'm it just tired of and it. then everyone else started doing it. Well, see, that's the thing. Because you were, you bro- and I pointed this out before, you brilliantly. Yeah, he, he, Adam texts me privately when he's annoyed with me or something happening on the No, it's not because I think it's an, interest, it's an interesting conundrum in the sense that oh, I know. you were the first one to start. I'm going to repost people who make my recipes. They're going to love seeing their name in lights. I'm going to give them some love. It gives me content and it makes total sense. Then everyone started doing it. And, and now it's annoying. I don't, I don't yeah, disagree. Or, I don't disagree. So then, but what do you do though? Then do you stop like, giving love to your your fans and they are fans but you don't want to do that well it's- at first when i was doing it how it worked because in, of the way instagram worked i had to take a screenshot of every single time i was mentioned because there wasn't the function to just add to story or yeah. whatever and now you can do it but it expires after 24 hours so you really have to stay on it for me it's not really worth doing unless i'm seeing a lot of one thing in a 24-hour period because if i just reposted every time somebody mentioned me or cooked a dish it would just be like a weird collage of like here's a baked ziti and a chicken and a cookie and it's it's like weird and all over the place and I don't think that's good content. Do you so when I see one of your dishes with like the chicken and the olives and yeah. stuff, people like it. Is apparently I'm not a big olive guy. Um, is that all within a 24 hour window then? Yes. Wow. See, that's interesting. So that's what that's I'm saying. Is, yeah. Exactly. It makes it extra impressive. Exactly. Yeah. So I only do it when I feel like it's something to post about. It's a thing. Otherwise, like somebody makes a baked ziti. Who cares? I, I mean, I care. Uh, you care. I care. I yes. care. Adam cares. I'm gonna text. I'm gonna text you privately these pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Every time somebody mentions me, I'll send it to you directly. Um, no, but it's more like then it just feels braggy. Like, oh, look at all these people doing the thing that I did. Yeah. For me, it's more like, oh, this is this is a thing. Like everyone's making this chicken with olives, and that to me is worth highlighting. It's also I do think it's genuinely a nice thing to do, and that the people who make it are totally stoked when they see that you reposted. Oh, hundred percent. If I had so. time to do it and like figure out a way where I could go back to screenshotting and organizing and like creating these like slideshow albums of like, oh, everybody who made the baked ziti this week, I would love to do that. That is somebody's part time job, and when I have enough money to hire that person, I will, and I'll get back to that. But for the time being, there's just so many jobs that I do that need tending to that every minute that I'm spending on Instagram is a minute that I'm not writing or cooking or doing the things that I'm actually getting paid to do. Yeah. So like it's great and all and it feels fun and I think that some people think all I do is sit on Instagram but I actually do other stuff. Or like going on a podcast which you're not getting paid for. No I'm not. I did not get paid for this. This is hashtag not sponsored. Okay new book nothing fancy you write about in your one page intro. Thank you for doing a one page intro. Like when you get you get a cookbook I, and there's like a seven page intro no. and you're like I just want to get to the recipes. Well, no, I'll, well, a I don't agree with you on that, but for me, oh, wow. I felt like I didn't. I, I had it at closer to two pages, and I was like, I felt like I, it was like a bit, you know, I don't want to use a cross term, but like, you know, I just felt like we don't really need two pages of this. No, you said Even, what, you said what you need to say, exactly. and it gets me excited. And your whole the gist of your book is about having people over. It's not mm-hmm. about entertaining. It's not about a fussy dinner party. No. It's having friends over. And yeah. you write, um, using your time and resources to feed people you care about is the ultimate expression of love. And love is about expressing joy, not producing anxiety. 
So the other thing I want you to get out of this book is you can do this. Yeah. I'm basically Esther Perel what? over here. <laughs> Could talk, um, you should talk to my wife about, yeah. about her. <laughs> I keep on being told I should listen to her. You should. Uh, we I, all should. I love the gist of this book, having people over, recipes that aren't overly fussy, the the notion that you talk about, you know what, people, like not everything's going to come out at the same time. If something isn't hot, fine. Fine. Yeah. I think that we have sort of entered an era where like going back to the first part of this conversation of just like having too much stuff to do. And really prioritizing and being like, what am I really going to spend my time worrying about? Is it making something perfectly? Is it worrying about having matching this or matching that or making sure my carrots are hot? Like, who wants a hot carrot anyway? Who cares? Not me. Not me yeah. either. So not, not good, actually. They get, they, get, the... they, get, they get too steamy sometimes. You ever oh, have yeah, a really hot, hot carrot? You're like, ah. Oh, hot carrot. One of the top five worst things that could ever <laughs> happen to a person. Yeah, I feel like you have that to. That sounds like a like 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 a bad jam band from the nineties. Hot carrot. Hot carrot. Oh yeah. yeah, I bet your brother was definitely in hot carrot. They played with in the string. Seventy two. I think they played the string cheese incident yeah. up at Columbia. A real band name. But I I will admit like I've been cooking for a long time at home, having friends over. I have people over, and I still get nervous. What are the things you get nervous okay, about? Okay, I'm going to tell you right away. Okay. So your first chapter, don't confuse snacks with hors d'oeuvre or canapé. About you know, it doesn't have to be overly fussy, but. I can usually think about like, all right, I'm going to do the go-to roast pork shoulder with blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, shit, we need like, wait, what, what are we going to serve when people are coming, like when they get here? Uh, and I always panic right. and I don't like to come up with just something I can set out while we're having drinks or making finishing dinner. Yeah. That freaks me out. Well, I did a lot of research for my, you know, personal, personal research for this chapter because I was like, oh, should I, you know, be reinventing like the pig in a blanket and tiny little stuffed olive thing? And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing any of that. I'm not doing one of those things. I feel like that's bringing back to another segment. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So I feel like what in reality, and honestly how I wrote this book completely, but especially the snack chapter is I just started documenting the things that I actually made when people came over. So I love this first one, labna or Greek yogurt or even sour cream. Yeah. With sizzled scallions, love that, and chili, quote unquote, or prens, almost ranch. So you're basically making kind of a hipster ranch dressing here, eh, ish. Yeah, we we could call it, we could put a, any label we want. Whatever. On it, and you're sure. and and typically you're serving this with any number of don't call them crudités, I know, but raw veg, maybe some little flatbready crackers sort of things. Anything or what? you want to dip, you put it in this dip, and it will be very happy. I've also used it as like. To, you know, put on the bottom of roasted vegetables or served it alongside rotisserie chicken or something like that. So, you know what I like about this one? That So, our mutual friend, uh, Emil Stonic, mm. who I love, he loves to do the Greek yogurt with lemon juice and some, like, microplane raw garlic. Mm-hmm. Me too. I think the raw garlic sometimes can be a bit much. Can well, be too, Emil and I both garlic-y. love raw garlic. And I think that in a lot of these pages... Like this one has raw garlic, the beet dip, garlicky beet dip. Yeah. Well, it's right there in the title. It says garlicky. It so does. you should anticipate that. But I think I give a range of garlic cloves, like one to two. So if you're the kind of person that's like, I'm not really into garlic, then feel like you can still make this, yeah. but just cut back. I think it's okay. Yeah. If you're having dinner, I once made the mistake back in the 90s when I was like single guy. I had a cocktail party mm. and I made some like garlicky. Ah, uh, to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Gar- no. Garlicky white bean dip. And it was so garlicky. And just this was back when people were single and stuff. No, uh, some no. of us still are single, Adam. Well, yeah, I'm, back I'm, in the day. I'm talking wow. about, I talk about my contemporaries, Oof. not youngsters like yourself, but Yikes. no one ate it. And I was like, oh, yeah, don't serve super garlicky See, things I don't believe a in that. Bar. I think that every but time. It doesn't we matter talk- if you believe it, other people do. Uh, well, those aren't the people I want to be making out with anyway. <laughs> 
a very fine spritz. I love a spritz. Damn, me too. I love this photo. Thank you. I love everything about it. Yeah. Are you a year-round spritz person? Hell yes. And so what's your what's yeah. so if it's fall winter, what kind of spritz might you be serving at your apartment? I'll probably do something like it. I've been trying to buy as many different types of amaros or digestifs as possible and experimenting spritz with that. And sometimes it doesn't work. Um, sometimes it's just like soda and the and the amaro. I do love the sparkling wine soda water amaro combo yeah so that's me is my favorite but right now i've there's like this i forget the name of it but it's a it's an amaro from california that's very orangey it's i'm sorry i feel like i'm on a podcast with alex delaney right now oh literally the <laughs> worst thing you could say to me we gotta cut i'm out of here i am out of here anyways don't cut that in order to extend my day or evening i like topping it off with a little club soda on top mm-hmm. of the prosecco or whatever just yeah, like you too. know what just like extend it a little bit yeah i think um, that's in there in the it, old recipe it is yeah and, and beautiful shot looks like you're hanging out a pool or something that's kaylin yeah our K- pop stylist well, kaylin, yeah we were hanging out by a pool i'm just going through the book because there's so many things in yeah here I, I just want to point about. out yeah. for those listening adam rapaport is the only person that i've ever done a podcast with for my book where I've sat across from him and noticed he has gone through the book. He's read it. He's posted noted it. He's made notations. He's lots you know, of big posts. He's really thorough. I will say <laughs> I, I must give you credit. For Did that. my homework as they say. Thank okay. Uh, we've talked about shrimp cocktail before. You've written about shrimp cocktail. That's all I want to talk about. Um, for Bon Appetit. <laughs> yes. Your opinion on if you go to a good market, mm. will you buy the shrimp already poached and clean? Will you always buy them? Un- What's your policy on my the shrimp? My policy is poach the shrimp yourself. I okay, don't buy so pre-cooked shrimp. Buy them shell on, head off. Mm-hmm. Do you then, so you you take the shells off? I do. Do you do the clean little I vein don't. thing? That is such. I don't clean them. I know. because, But also, I we we were out uh, this summer grilling, and everyone always asks, like, oh, my God, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm like, you know what? You can devein these shrimp for me. Yeah. I was doing all these things. We were going to grill up some, I think it was an Andy Barragani, like sort of orange mohoey sort of sh- turmeric shrimp sort of thing. And I'm like, I don't have time. I just don't have time yeah. to do that. But if you guys want something to do, yeah, it's just not a lot of fun, though. No, it's not. I mean, for me personally, I don't mind. There are shrimp that you can buy um, that are deveined yeah. with the shell on Oh, that I would do. But they tend yeah. to be really small. And so that okay. is something that I would use if I were like cooking skillet shrimp or something. Yeah. But for shrimp cocktail... I always poach them with the shell on. I prefer to do it myself. Do you do a, a heavily seasoned liquid? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So there's onion, there's salt, it's lemon. It's yeah. it, I don't, you know, I don't think like five peppercorns are going to make a difference no. or, or like the bay leaf, but don't get me you can started. kind of do a, a broth of, you know, whatever you're feeling that way. Sometimes if I have like extra vegetable scraps like celery an, or just, leek tops, I'll throw that in there. I just got an email from a publicist the other day that apparently bone bone broth is hot right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great. Thanks uh, for the tip. Do you then immediately take the shrimp and plunge them into an ice ice bath? To I stop don't. The cooking? I just no. I take them out right before they're cooked through, and uh-huh. then I scatter them onto a sheet tray so they're not stacked on top of one another. I don't have an I don't have enough room for an ice bath. Oh, I, God. I, don't, don't, I know. Don't, stop, I know. Stop. I so, don't. All right, so, and then do you put them in the fridge? Yes. Okay. And yeah. then when you're ready to serve, you always put them on some sort of ice. Yes. I noticed that Which I asked people to bring. Right, them yeah, but I noticed. Well, you. In the photo, which is a nice photo of some cool person with a tie-dye long sleeve sweatshirt on, um, you didn't do the crushed ice thing. No, because it's, it's come on, it's fun though when you put them in like a dish towel and you hammer it and yeah, you get that. Yeah, it is. But cool. I like the big, like chunky geometric ice for that. You also 
I feel like we, we literally could do a whole pod just on, on some cocktails. <laughs> you mentioned lemon, lemony, aioli, mm-hmm. and cocktail sauce. Yes. Do you like to do both or what's... I'm a two-sauce kind of gal. Okay, yeah. I also feel like other people might be as well, and it's nice to have the option. For me, the aioli is more of almost like when you have like a Louis or something like that. Like a crab Louis. Yeah, sort of thing, like, yeah. you know, shellfish. When you get a seafood tower, I feel like you get yeah. a horseradish, or if, or if you get cocktail sauce, and an aioli. Yeah, or if you do the like the stone crab sort of thing. Exactly, it's yeah. Just, it's a little but bit there's more no lush. You can make one, both, one or the other. It doesn't matter. I'm going to skip the whole part about fish. Yeah, because Adam hates fish. Okay, on page 45, <laughs> there's this photo of you. We're getting the cheese section of the book, which yeah. I'm all for. You're leaning over into a cheese refrigerated yeah. section. My first question is, why would you be leaning over? Why wouldn't you be on the other side where the cheese is more accessible? And more importantly, you were in this kind of cool sort of silky safari shirt with yeah. little I'm sort on of a epaulettes. Safari, Adam. You are, but the shirt is the exact same color as all the cheese and the crackers. It's very. Was that intentional? No, I just went to Sahadi's where this was shot, and I just happened to be wearing that. I swear to God. You didn't say I'm gonna wear a nutty gouda colored safari no, shirt. No, but then I and then I almost took the picture out because I was like. Do I match the cheese too much? I think you do, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's intentional. It's always it's not intentional. In, it's not intentional. Well, just tell I think people as long it as is. it's not intentional, it's better. I think if it is intentional, it's lame. But if that's just what I happen to be wearing, which it is, I try to be as natural as humanly possible at all times, especially in my cookbooks, because I don't love the idea of like doing something that feels unnatural or out of the ordinary just for a photo. This, I was literally, what because the way the cheese counter is, there's cheese behind those crackers as well and in oh. front. And so I was getting the cheese behind the crackers and Michael and Nicole just happened to be over there. And they were like, oh, like that's that's cute in the back. They're like, grab a, they, like, do you need any cheese here? And I was like, actually, I do need a Gouda. And that they being your photography yeah, duo, Graydon and Harriet. Who when do I not need a Gouda though? I don't know. Really? It reminds me of this, though. Yeah. Um, and you talk about, you know, you don't need some elaborate cheese board. Maybe just three good cheeses. Do you worry about filling up on the cheese before dinner? I do. And I, it, it's like my biggest fear. And it's not me filling up. It's my friends filling up, which they do oh, almost every time. Oh, because you know, at least. You're, you're, you, you understand what's coming. They don't. If I'm hosting. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I almost never get the cheese board if I'm hosting. I had people over a few weeks ago and my friend Anoop brought like this insanely delicious, elaborate, bougie-ass cheese selection. And he makes really good cheese boards in a way that that's not my jam, but I let him do it. We call him Cheese Boy. Mm. And I was cooking and doing all the things and I went into the other room to get some cheese. It was all gone. Wow. Yeah. And then I felt like everyone was too full from the cheese. I mean, I get it. Was there a, did he bring a super runny one? He he brought all sorts the of whole cheese. Thing. There's does, like a, does there's, he bring like quince paste and stuff? He does the whole shit. Yeah, wow. he's like, yeah. You say he's a, he's a maestro of cheese. A maestro. You say don't call it crudite. I can't call it crudite. It's so dumb. It's a stu- it's a fussy word. It's like also, if you'll read the text, I don't want to call it crudite. Crudite means raw, and I think for like a thoughtfully arranged Ooh. vegetable platter, which is what I call it. Some of them are steamed. Some of them are blanched. Some of them are boiled. I do. I do like that. I, like, I feel like they I, don't all have to be raw. And also, crudite sounds like the tray you get at the grocery store with like the cherry tomatoes mm, and the celery sticks. Yeah. That's no good. I feel like you and Emil are kindred spirits in your crudite love, and also doing the little salted boiled potatoes, mm-hmm. baby ones, and yeah. dip those into whatever. Yep, those are included. I like those a lot. Me too. Although I don't understand the very first recipe under the crudite section is vinegar marinated butter beans. It's not the crudite section. Well, it's just a it's just a page on crudite. Well, I don't know what section, but you're in this. I'm in the snack section. Am I supposed to eat these beans, which look delicious? Yeah, as a snack with toothpicks. With two, 
I'm going to individually spear They're, a butter bean. Those are bean. large beans. Okay. They look really cool. They're like in an oil vinegar bath. They're hanging out on like a cocktail table. Is this like a critique of nothing fancy? Because I, I can't tell. No. Are, I, we, am, I, are we keeping track of I, the compliments versus I, I the think, critiques? I think I've liked everything in here. Okay. I'm just asking about this one. Just got some one. logistical questions. Yeah. Those are olives. You eat them with your hands. I've come around. I, you know what? I like olives as snacks. Oh, well, they're in the snack chapter, so that checks out. Although Thank my God. mom, my, Maxine Rapport, God bless her, 84 years old now. She was making, she's probably making an Allison Roman recipe. That she, which you love when she does. Yeah, that. which she texts me and lets me know how much she loved this recipe from the New York Times. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my friend Allison. And then I'm like, anyways. Oh, call me your friend. But, oh, stop. But she she couldn't, <laughs> she was like, I can't find the Castel, Castel, well, I how do I New pronounce York's, it? Castel Vitrano. I think Vitrano. New York sold out of them because <laughs> yeah. of that recipe. I'm not kidding. It was wild. And I was like, I don't know. Go to Italy. Go to, I, anyways. Just give her my direct line the dirty martini bar which you wrote about in the september issue of bon appetit uh for your steak night in america piece Mm -hmm. i had a martini the other night because i was at this bar with some guys Mm, Um, great story (laughs) dude i can't even i'm trying to tell the story hey you talk shit about my cheese outfit (laughs) well it was and you couldn't you but you knew it of course i knew but then i was like i don't know it's kind of cool i match the cheese i was just asking if it was intentional but um so I was at this bar down in North Carolina, and I ordered a vodka soda, and it was so flat. I was just like, I was like, is this a gun or whatever? Like, mm. it's a gun. It seemed, I think, the gas, whatever. We can see if we have some bottles in the back. They didn't. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to have a martini. That's a one-star Yelp review right there. Yeah, so I, I ordered a martini, and wow. I drank it. I very have rarely ever done Were that before. Were you wasted afterwards? I ordered a second like sec- <laughs> martini. It had about two sips, and that was about as yeah, far as I got. Yeah, two martini nights are... Are rough. I don't have that. I don't have that in my in my game plan. Yeah. But yeah, the DIY martini. Did I say yeah. dirty martini before? I meant DIY well, martini. Before. Dirty martini is an option. Yeah. I think. I mean, the the just being that you combine your your gin or, I feel like vodka martinis aren't really martinis, but. Mm. But you like to batch them together in a pitcher yeah, with you, water, so you dilute them. Oh yeah. You pre-dilute. And then you've got. You like to do more sort of like short rocks glasses. Yeah. You've got some ice. You can. Just I think pour the martini over. glass is a flawed design. I mean, who among us has has picked up a martini glass and elegantly and efficiently sipped from and finished yeah. the beverage without spilling it either on yourself or someone you like? The martini glass is great if you're a designer of neon signs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the shape, it can't be beat. It does. It sloshes around. You know, it's really, I feel bad for waiters and waitresses who have to ha- deliver a whole tray and they're sort of like swooshing back and forth. And Yeah. I mean, there's places where you go and they're, that's why they bring it to you in the shaker and they pour table side. And then give you the rest in oh, a sidecar. Little cat, yeah. That's little the move. Ice. That's the best thing ever. Yeah, but I'm not doing that if I'm serving you at home. I love these intro pages. All your intro pages are like one page of text. There's some big type. You get to the point, and then you get to the recipes. Thank you. I really, I yeah. think exactly what I. And you know, I'm a big fan of your writing, and I love your writing because it's got a lot of voice and focus and makes a point, but it's not long-winded. Thank you. Well, I learned that. You know where I learned that? No. Bon Appetit magazine. Bon Appetit magazine. I feel like my time spent at BA. Like, my role as a food editor was very different than what the role of a food editor is now, I think. Yeah. And I, it was challenging for sure, but I loved the time that I spent getting to write, like, the primers and the long pieces and being edited by, like, you and Christine and Scott and Julia. And I just felt like honing my skills as a writer being like, yeah, I know you want to say this in 200 words, but you have 70. It That's really the thing about forces, print. Yeah, it yeah. really forces you to kind of focus on the nuts and bolts. I don't think you did a hell of a job. But like the Meryl's nuts still it. trying to get me to be less long-winded, <laughs> yes. but I'm working on it, Meryl. Meryl Wasseen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, these days, a salad can be anything you want it to be. 
I think that's so true. I do feel like we're in this liberated. Oh, yeah. It, it literally used to be like, oh, got to have your lettuce and cucumber and tomato and red onion. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, throw a chicken in there. See if I care. You know, whatever. I mean, well, that's a dinner salad as I opposed mean, to a side salad. But yeah, you could do that. Yeah. I do like, so these salads, this one got my eye. The summer squash with basil, oh, parmesan, and toasted buckwheat. Yeah. Little I, tiny croutons. I just stopped on that one. Yeah, they're like cocoa nibs, but made out of buckwheat. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Yeah, love, so basically the, the salads are broken down into leafy salads, crunchy salads, and then sort of salads. To me, those are like the three. Interesting. So what qualifies as a sort of salad? Sort like, of salad like the, is like. The, the, the zucchini one? Yeah, yeah, where it's like, you know, not, it's like more like a cold vegetable side. Like that's a sort of salad. It has burrata and crushed peas and herbs. Yeah, this, this salad you said you is know. just an excuse to eat a lot of cheese. Exactly. I think I literally say that. Um. <laughs> um, give me give me one se- one recipe that didn't make the salad section that you were trying to get in and like your friend Lily or someone was like, eh. God, she's so tough on me. Um, no, I'm just kidding. There was like an asparagus number that I made. It was like peas and asparagus and half raw and half sauteed with like green garlic. And it was lovely, but it was too dependent on really, really good produce. Yeah. And it was also as I was writing the recipe, I was like, I'm confused. And I wrote it. I was like, this, even though it wasn't complicated in my execution, I'm like, you cut half the ingredients, you cook them, and then you cut half the ingredients and keep them raw. But in the practical application of writing down the recipe, it was feeling really long for what it was. It felt like if you didn't have great asparagus, you know, or like if you couldn't find like the chai, I don't know. It felt too fussy. It felt yeah. like it didn't really match the rest of these recipes. Like when you're working at Bon Appetit, you currently or back in the day when you did, if you want someone's opinion, they will tell it to you. And you have <laughs> Even a- if you don't ask for it. <laughs> yes. There are a lot of people weighing in on your recipes which has its upsides, but it's not easy. But when you're solo, do you have to be really hard on yourself or do you depend on your editor? Because like everything, I, I firmly believe everything is better with an editor, and, and it, certainly when I'm writing my own self. I agree, yeah. Um, but so who do you lean on? Um, I mean, honestly, for the recipes and the recipe testing, I, I pretty much have myself to lean on and the people that I hire to recipe test, where I like actually have ask them for honest feedback and and whatnot. But really it's like, I have to ask myself, is this as good as it can be? Do I want to eat this forever? Am I proud of it? Would I tell people to make it? I don't ever want to publish anything where I'm like, eh. Yeah. You know what I want to eat? We're in the side section now. Mm. Sticky roasted carrots with citrus and tahini. Mm, Yes. That photo is like mesmerizing. Different like purple and orange carrots and they're all glazed and shiny. They're really, really good. There's little bits of onion and stuff in there. Can we can you walk me through this dish? Yeah, so that's um it's carrots and slices of orange or you can use lemon, tossed with maple syrup or honey and olive oil, salt and pepper, some chili. And then I think half of the onion, you like take some red onion and half of them, or they're, the onions are tossed in lime juice and then half of them are added to the carrots and the onions and the citrus and you roast them all. You have, I think in this photo you have blood oranges sort yeah. of cut into little moons. Uh-huh. You you like, you like a citrus peel. I love you're, the whole you, thing. You're pushing. I love the whole citrus. Yeah. I got the citrus agenda. I th- it's better. I think it's more interesting. It's like. Emma, do you ever do that? Do you ever put like, Roman? yeah, you do. Yeah, you're, You it. come around to that, the whole, the whole thing. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. I do feel like that's It's like bitter and it's just like more adult and interesting tasting. And if you're like, oh, you tried this recipe, it's not for me, feel free to leave it out and just finish the dish with fresh zest and juice or something. Yeah. But I think, but having like the maple in there, things that balance out the bitterness of the yeah, peel it's like, definitely it, like and the a, sweetness of carrots, which are inherently sweet. Yeah. 
Well, somebody, somebody, this is like a pretty bold carrot dish. I find carrots to be pretty boring and they're not honestly my favorite vegetable. I don't, I don't favor the sweet vegetables. I favor the like leafy savory yeah. ones. Cruciferous. Yeah, I love a cruciferous vegetable. We're, we're going to get to the steamed broccoli in a minute. Oh, I cannot wait. You want to get there now? I, I flagged it. Yeah, let's talk about that because like I love steamed broccoli. I love oh, going to like my it. favorite steakhouse, Pietro's, and getting the steamed broccoli that they then toss with oil and garlic, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I do find that sometimes I've made that mistake at home when I'm like steaming broccoli and I let it go a little too long and it oh, loses yeah, no. its bright green color and it go. gets a little soft and you're like, oh. No, it's got to go. So how do you, what's your- You just don't do you that. You just stay on top of it? <laughs> yeah, you pay attention. Um, I, I think sometimes for that reason, depending on the vegetable, I like for like whole heads or spears, I almost prefer a blanch because you can kind of dunk it, watch it and remove it. Does also steam, does, does the salted water help do the keep it greener? I've been told. It doesn't. No, no I don't think so. Okay. I think that it doesn't matter how uh, salted your water is. If you over steam or over boil broccoli, it's going to turn that yeah. gross color and have that gross flavor. Uh, yeah. But it's so it's such a easy and like versatile thing to serve with pretty much everything, and it's all really I ever want. But I like the mix of like greens and broccoli. And that's why I tend to like the flowering sort of sprouted broccoli vibe because they have the leaves attached. So um, I remember, so you will, the one pictured is like I think like a flowering rob or something. Yeah, I mean I've always, I've just I, if I'm yeah I'll steam or blanch a broccoli in sort of big big shards and chunks. A lot of times I'll just do a, a lot of lemon juice, sea salt, maybe a drizzle of oil. Yeah. But you were saying that you will mix them with other greens and stuff, or no, sometimes I mean, you or tell just me right. Adam. You I don't, don't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this is specifically an ode to like, <laughs> well, don't worry. You can because everybody can. Every, apparently, yeah. Um, There is, you steam and you, the- and, you, and then you know what I'm going to do? Make tour shirts. Uh, well, there's not to say, still say I couldn't still make the shirts. You should find a way. You know what the problem is? If you, like say, because you don't want to go on tour with them because you're literally like a punk rock band in the 80s exactly. with your like cardboard boxes full of shirts in the back of the van. Be like, 20 bucks, 20 yeah. bucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry to rat extra large. Yeah. <laughs> Got large. Yeah. I Then I become an Etsy store. You see what I'm saying? It's like yeah. also, it's bigger than that. Like yeah. I then have to set up an e-commerce site or figure out a way no. to like it's sell d- them and ship them. Don't get me started. I'm, like, I'm writing about that for my December okay, editor's well, you letter. You don't have to do that personally. You're not like going to the Nevin Street shipping on the corner, you know, in your neighborhood shipping the stuff. No, but I've been to about 6,000 meetings with my marketing team. Oh, you have a marketing team. Honestly, nice. Yeah, it is. Kind of. Um, spicy caramelized leeks with fresh lemon. This photo is also just got me. They're all like kind of crispy and shriveled and golden. You love a and, crisp. But it's all, it's like a crispy caramelized sort of thing going on. Yeah. And these leeks are just like, oh. They're so good. This is probably the, one of the better thing, tasting things. In the, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I think they're all really delicious, but... When I ate these, I think I ate them the whole thing, which was like five leeks to myself. Wow. They're so good. You basically take the leeks, you have them lengthwise, and then you make little incisions, which sounds more complicated than it is, but it's like almost like if you were going to dice them. And so- So they become like little tassels Yeah, almost. they look like palm fronds yeah. or tassels for a party. And then you toss them with oil and harissa, salt, pepper, and then you roast them at a super high heat. And then- Finish them with freshly chopped lemon, and they, they are so crazy good. Yeah, I would. They're I've, like oily and like. But you know what I also ah, like about. so good. And you know this, I imagine, that getting into cookbook publishing, recipes that have photos compared to those that don't, and people mm-hmm. are always going to make the recipe, you know. Well, that's not true, actually. After publishing Dining In, I realized there were a lot of recipes that people made that had no photo attached. Huh. 
I wouldn't say a lot was because there, there's was, not a lot of recipes that don't have photos. You're like Miss Viral Recipe. Was there oh, one? Oh, how annoying. Uh, <laughs> it's a good <laughs> problem to have. But the cook, the, I don't want to talk about the cookies. But I don't want to talk were, about No, but either. were they in the book or did they come up before the book? They came up before the book, no, right? they were in the book. In the book. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to, like, was there pressure from your publisher? Like, you got to have, like, no. a hit single on this one? Definitely not. No? I tell everybody that I think every time it happens, I think it's the last time it's going to happen. And I honestly believe that. And I think that if, you know, if anybody is starting to create content or recipes with the hopes of it going viral, that's the second that you should stop doing that, like, for a living. Because... Was that what you thought when you worked at BuzzFeed? No. They, <laughs> that was actually, like, such an... The irony of that is that nothing I ever did there was successful. Because they all were trying to do something. And I was like, this feels weird and wrong to me. And the second that I started doing authentic work that felt good, it was successful. Yeah. So I think, let I mean, that be I, a lesson I, to all of us. I, I do think it's a good lesson. I think sometimes Other people were re- able to be successful there. I just wasn't. Yeah. But I think you have to do something that's true to who you... Cause if, if it's not true to you, it's not going to resonate with other people. Exactly. And people can tell just, when it's something yes. that's genuine and organic of who they are. It's not to say that I didn't produce things that I was proud of when I was there. My brief time on the internet... <laughs> but but I think that I wasn't you learned exactly I learned the difference creamy cauliflower and onion gratin another I don't know I know I'm just being like photo guy but this just looks like amazing yeah if cauliflower and mac and cheese got together and got all crispy and caramelized on top and mm-hmm. oh my god well you and I respond to the same thing in food both visually and literally which is like crispy crunchy texture the Maillard reaction uh, yeah <laughs> well, okay um and like you know general oil and and et cetera, et cetera. I feel like for a lot of this book, I wanted, I had a really amazing pop stylist, Kaylin Kaminsky. Um, and we sort of, I think where the props are included and where they are in like kind of these busier scenes where it's more in situ, I feel like they're great. And a lot of these props are my own, a lot of stuff she brought, but I really wanted to focus on like what I think is really beautiful food and like getting kind of a little bit closer because I think when we pull out so much, it becomes lifestyle and it, we're like less focused on whether the food even looks good. Yeah, I've even, I mean, we've been there, especially when you were at BA, like wanting to make BA more of a magazine that told a story and put things in context and about mm-hmm. the people who are making the food, about the environment, about where you are, about who you're with at the table. But that's an interesting point. If you pull out too much, then you're like, yeah, well, like yeah, but the food looks get, tiny. Like, you're never going to see that. We're looking at this insane centerfold of the one pot chicken with dates and caramelized lemons, and it's just juicy and ah, and sliced up. It's as luxuriating there on a platter. And this was like close up, but when you're dealing with prop stylists and creative directors and photographers, and they, you know, understandably, God bless them, want to tell a story, and there's that back and forth between like, no, no, we need more food in this story. Can we get in a little tighter? Can we get a few more food shots and a little bit less on the octagonal plates? Exactly. The woman who worked on this doing the design, Elizabeth Spiridakis, did a really great job of cropping in. Shout out. In places. Also former BA. Also former BA. Just because I think that the food, when it is really good, and like I cooked all the food in this book. There's no food stylist. Like this is how it should look when you cook it because I cooked it and we then we took photos of it. And so to me, it was like important to actually see that rather than just be super lifestyle because then you're like a blog. Yeah. You have, you have a new column in Bon Appetit. Mm-hmm. Debuting next month in yeah. December issue, having people over. Yeah, I don't want to say you diss your grandma, but you you write <laughs> about your version of brisket and how it's a an evolution from what you kind of grew up. I'm also dissing you. What? 
Uh, no, you, yeah, my, I was you, dissing no, you. No, I got that, but oh, okay. you're but you were wrong. Like <laughs> Maxine's sweet and spicy brisket is so good. Okay. When was the last time you had it? I don't know that I've ever had it, but I, okay. all I'm saying so, is that I feel like I've had a version of it where there's brisket, there's ketchup, there's onions. Yeah, we get it. Exactly. There's brown sugar. We yes. get it. Yes. I was like, it's time for a new brisket. And it looks amazing. So what the what, you've got a couple. The one in the book is soy braised brisket with caramelized honey and garlic. Mm-hmm. That looks super awesome. You have like the half head of garlic halved and all you see. Yeah, the and I do. I do realize that like the sweetness in like a braised meat like this is important, but. I take the honey and I caramelize it first, which really is just putting it in a pan on medium heat until it starts to change a little bit of color. Then you deglaze it. And instead of just sweet, like you're getting with brown sugar or just straight honey, you're getting like a caramelized flavor. So there's a bit of bitterness. It's kind of more evolved. So I feel like that you can like taste in the broth of the brisket. It kind of just makes it a bit deeper, a bit more savory. Yeah, I guess I would say... And I make Maxine's brisket all the time. Uh, you can find the recipe in bonapetit.com. Can you find the recipe in bonapetit.com? Yeah. No. Maybe you can. I don't know. I think so. Somewhere. I know I did it at GQ years ago. But no, I, I agree in the sense that I feel like it's been a long time since I've had a homemade brisket that is surprising. Yeah. I feel like I, well, I, think I, feel like I know was. what I'm get before I eat it. And yeah. it's not that it's not good, but I'm like, okay, yeah. It's like an old friend. Right, right, right. I think that I it takes a lot for me to enjoy like braised red meat. Um, And I think a lot of the reason is because people tend to rely really heavily on sweetness when doing their braised Mm -hmm. meats. And I prefer the like spicy, the salty, the oniony to the ketchupy, sugary, sweet, just across the board. I'm looking for, yeah. So do you remember what the the name is, the recipe in the December issue coming up? um, It's like a vinegar brisket with celery and herbs or something. Have you seen the photo? No, I haven't. It's beautiful. Is it? I'll show you a picture. We've got a couple more questions, but the harissa rubbed pork shoulder. Mm -hmm. I'm getting really hungry with white beans and shard. Um, pork shoulder slicing versus pulling. Like, how fall apart do you like your pork shoulder? Well, if you'll notice, the both both the pork shoulder and the brisket are both sliced. Yes. I'm not a shreddy meat person, but hmm. I do mention in the recipe that you can shred the meat in either case. So you do like a cook to be cooked oh, to yeah. braise I enough mean, that it can. Oh be. yeah. When I'm slicing these meats, they're like jiggling they're like barely holding it together and i'm i'm making it work because i like the look of it and that's how i prefer to eat it that's how i prefer to serve it like i would rather give you a a beautiful slice of really tender meat than a pile um, of a pile of shreddy shreds because you know yeah i've made a lot of pork shoulders in my day and still do because they never disappoint but i'm going to do this next time i'm going to slice it and fan it out on a platter with some beans or whatever i think the trick is just letting it rest a little bit like i wouldn't take it straight from the pot to try and slice it let it cool a minute on the thing and i say in the book also you can either plate it or just put it right back into the pot and serve it out. do you ever take the top off the pot and let the top get kind of you do in that recipe okay cool yeah Yeah. i like to do that oh i do do that i do that almost every braised meat recipe in this book because otherwise what are we doing here we never say that in pa like the broiler i've said this before but hit it with the broiler well i don't have a broiler God, you, I don't have a nice what? bath out of a broiler. I don't. I, oh I'm God. basically living in like 1932. <laughs> we should start up a Kickstarter fund for Allison to get a new apartment. Yeah, well, somebody please help me. <laughs> um, salmon. This is the 123rd slow, slow cooked salmon recipe. Where done. was the first one? Pon Appetit. That's right. Yeah, still good though. It this, is still this good. was this one's really pretty. I like that sort of. Um, it just says salmon. It doesn't say slow roasted. It How is. do you know but it's slow roasted? But citrusy, because I looked at the recipe. Oh, um, touche. But it's got that, what, what is that sort of visual effect when you've got like the oil and vinegar on the plate and they kind of pool and it's like a lava lamp mm, sort of effect yes. on, on the platter? Yes. It's really pretty. Thank you. Yeah. Not a big salmon guy. Shocking. Doesn't love fish. Uh, Did you guys know that? Before we go, last question-ish <laughs> about um, dessert 
I know you have to, if you're writing a cookbook, you have to have desserts mm -hmm. in there. Yes. Do you personally, when you're entertaining, feel you need to serve dessert? It depends on the crowd, but mm -hmm. generally speaking, no. But I do have stuff on hand, which I mention. I'm more of like a here's a Maro and some chocolate or Pocky or a cookie or a wafer cookie or something that is like. What about the little? What about the snack? little oranges during the winter months? You like putting those out? Clementines. Clementines. Yeah. Yeah. You ever put those out? Of course. Yeah. See, yeah. that's all I'm saying. You put out some some dark chocolate, a basket of clementines, yeah. and like let people have at it. Yeah, just Easy let to me go all. get my basket. Oh my no, gosh. No, I I do, but I I do think that for the people that do like to bake or serve dessert, there's a lot of people out there that don't feel comfortable cooking, but do feel comfortable baking, and so I did want to include something at the end, but I also just feel like generally speaking, it's a part of a meal and there's a direct correlation to the amount of people I'm cooking for and whether or not I'm going to have dessert. The more people, the more likelihood there'll be dessert. Yeah. Because I, if it's like three people, I'm not baking. A I cake think what's also, I mean, guys, I will, as a, as a, as someone in a, uh, a marriage, is that what we call it? A marriage in a relationship. You are in a marriage. Yeah, yes. Um, but it is nice that I get very dis dinner focused. Simone will get pretty much, she'll want to make a dessert. Mm hmm. And that's a nice balance. She's very artistic. I feel like she more is, artistic yeah. brains also t like it's nice to. It's a it's a it's some it's like a statement or something. I don't know. Whereas I feel like oh we need to get the meat into this and that. And oh she, man, and, men grill. Oh my god, meat. I, I, <laughs> anyhow, but it's nice because if I had to, if she had to make the all, if either one of us had to do the whole menu, mm -hmm. I don't think we'd be able to pull it off. But it's nice to have right. someone who can compliment. Must be nice to have a partner at home. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just kidding. I'm, just, I'm joking. Um, no, no, no. I agree. And I think that, like, for example, these tiny, sal tiny salty chocolatey cookies, you can make without a mixer in one bowl in, like, eight minutes. And it is just about the least effort you could put forth and still have something to show for yourself. Do you, which I like. These are looking good. They got the sea salt on top of stuff. Do you like to do the thing where you make it? Batter, dough, batter, mm -hmm. dough. This is dough. A, this is actually more of a batter okay. than a traditional cookie for sure. Do you ever like to slip them in the oven as you're clearing the table just so they come out hot and fragrant and crispy and chewy? Um, these I would probably make even after we've cleared the table because okay. they come together so quickly. You could like have the dry ingredients whisked already and oh, then you would actually make the batter. It literally a is just stirring like five ingredients together. Like you could, you know have everything ready yeah. to go but i wouldn't let this batter sit because um it could form a skin it's like mostly egg whites and okay. so you don't yeah. beat them or anything yeah. it's just whiskey yeah. them. but i like i do like that with desserts when you can actually sm you're like ooh, what's that smell like oh my god i like that cookies. too actually i i so, prefer that as well that's why i like there's like a lot of these dishes in the dessert section are either things that are going to give you that where it's like roasted fruit with ice cream and brown sugar breadcrumbs or something that's like two parts you know, do ahead or, or buy in one part, like, oh, you're roasting these peaches and hibiscus, you know, mm, like, and you pull yep. those out and that smells amazing. And that's pretty low lift. Or it's a cake that I've baked earlier or something like that. Okay. So nothing fancy if it's October 24th? October 22nd. 22nd. Is when the book comes out. So I think that's today in future past, future forward. <laughs> yeah. So it came as out you're, yesterday. As you're listening that's to exciting. this, the book is out. That's super exciting. How many tour dates do you have? 500,000. No, but literally how many uh, right now? 30 something. I don't know. So over how many weeks is that? Six and a half. And you'll be coming back to New York or are you just going to be on no, the road? No, I'm going I'm to come back to New York for December and then I'm in town. I'm going to do some more East Coast dates in 2020. So like hit up the Boston, Philly, et cetera, et cetera area mm. and then 
I'm going to Charleston. Nice. Then I'm going to Australia. Wow. Yeah. Someone, yeah. Someone's paying you to go there? Yeah. Nice. Well, they're paying for me to yes. go. But my Nothing Fancy and Dining In are now both available in the UK and Australia. That's and super Canada. awesome. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, look for Allison on tour. Do you have like a website or anything? Or how do people... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I know you have Instagram. You can I follow do. her on Instagram. I do. It's, it's AllisonEroman.com. And recently, I've had more people look at the website for tour information, and they've been going to AllisonRoman.com, which is a there? very funny website that I do not own. But it's like a it's a, a website that a dad bought for their child <laughs> a million years ago because it's it's been the same homepage for ten years and it's a picture of a little girl in a snowsuit and she's like hi I'm Allison and it's so cute but it's I mean it's a much better website than mine for <laughs> sure but yeah so don't forget the e it's AllisonEroman.com and that's the only reason all my handles are Allison E Roman because I wanted them to be consistent trivia good cool, to know cool story <laughs> uh, Allison E Roman thanks so much thank you for having me. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced and edited by Emma Wurtzman, with additional programming help from Carrie Polis and Elise Inamide. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to reach out to us about this episode or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.